pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, happy Wednesday. Welcome into this edition of Sports Talk, a two-hour extravaganza. We go till 6 o'clock. I'm your host, Scott Beatty. Hour number one, Lauren Tate joins me. Hour two, Evan Kahn will be with us. And it's a Mike and Mike edition of the program. We've got two Mikes coming up. Mike D- LaTulip. I almost I flipped that around. Okay, Mike LaTulip, first hour. To help us break down the Illini and beyond and their fall to Penn State last night. And then our number two, Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News and Big Ten Network to help us look at Big Ten basketball and, and the Illini as well. It's kind of a, you know, either way we're going to look at the Illini and, and well, Big Ten basketball. if anybody can make sense out of the Big Ten, DeCourcy can do it. But I would say nobody can make sense of it. <laughs> and, and that means there's a lot of us that cover and talk about the Big Ten that are getting paid to talk about a Big Ten that makes no sense and nobody can make sense of it. You know, I looked at the, t- the top 25 and I looked at the, the bottom 10 schools in the top 25 and if, if Illinois is playing those very same schools on a neutral court, it would be an absolute toss-up with all of them. There's just nobody in that group that's better than a, than a bunch of the teams in the Big Ten. Although yeah. the, the Big Ten teams aren't ranked. Yeah, there's a lot of parity in college basketball this year. Well, that's right. There's a lot of not. There's a lot of marginal play all over the place. Mm-hmm. This is not a great year for college basketball in terms of the performance. It's way down, and it, there, there's not as much of a star power this year. That does not say there's not really good players or great players, but it yeah. just doesn't seem to have as much flash Something as wrong. it used to. And I don't know if it's a cyclical thing. Well, I think think maybe what's what's wrong is me because, you know, here's Duke not doing anything. Here's Kentucky with all those great freshmen and Duke with all those great freshmen. And you look around it, and yet there are a lot of these freshmen. I looked at mock draft today, and freshmen everywhere, not everywhere, but a lot of freshmen are going to be in that first round. Mm -hmm. A lot of freshmen. And that's despite uh, the fact that you've got uh, things like the overtime – uh, elite, uh, which is, uh, and we, you've got the G League, you've got different leagues that have been formed here in the last couple of years that will send people into the draft this year along with the college players and along with the foreign players. We're going to have more French players going in and we're going to have a, a one from New Zealand. And so it, it's going to be interesting to see whether our upperclassmen get drafted very high because most of the draftees are going to be real young as, as they're always, they're always drafted on the come. As we are doing this, there is a, another court case going on about the status of student-athletes and whether they're employees or not, and yep. uh, there's there's various national reporters covering it and basically saying it doesn't 
doesn't seem to be going well for the NCAA's case that they're not employees. Well, now, that is, can, first of all, I'm, I'm following here sports reporters who are intelligent journalists, but not necessarily legal experts. Mm-hmm. But so I, 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 so I'm not trying to knock them. I'm just well, saying it people depends are. Depends on what you're talking about: Division Two, II, Division Three, or Division One, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, how how you treat that, and they aren't making they, the money is coming through Division One, the earned money, yeah. uh, whereas in Division Two II and Three, uh, there there's there's not that kind of income. Well, and I say that against the backdrop of your comment there that there are players that bypass college but can't go into the NBA yet, so they go into this overtime mm-hmm. elite and, yep. and, and want sort of a, a professional opportunity without even going through college. Yeah, There's also the G League Ignite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now you have players like, uh, now it's different with international, but he was here for a moment, Zach Perrain, who was on the Illinois mm-hmm. basketball roster and had a, a brief few minutes in a ball game. And he left for a professional opportunity back home. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> it's just a it's a real interesting mixture for 18, 19 year olds. Is there any player playing anywhere in college that doesn't feel a tug to be somewhere else? <laughs> They're all being tugged. Yeah. They would be being tugged to move up, to move down. You can play next year anywhere you want. Just think about this. Illinois has got three guys. Meyer will be – this is Meyer's final year. He, he can't come back. And you've got Coleman Hawkins and uh, – and, uh, Shannon. And Shannon. And both of those guys are likely to turn pro because they're listed mostly in the second round. But who knows? They might catch the, the bottom of the first round. Now, it depends on how they finish the season. It depends on – a lot of things between here and there, but just think about losing those three. We've already lost Sky Clark and Perrine, or Perrin, however you want to pronounce it. That's this team, and we don't know whether Melendez will be back or not. I mean, that's that was a really shaky situation the last few days. We didn't know what his status was, and so suspended all I'm for is, a violation of team rules and only yeah. played a few moments yesterday. Yeah, and so what I guess I'm saying is that. Illinois is going to have to rebuild, and a lot of other schools will be rebuilding too. Uh, I, uh, the, one of the draft boards I saw is, had Hood Shafino of, of Indiana in the, the first Big Ten player to be drafted, way ahead of Jackson Davis on the same Indiana team. And then you got Murray's going to be gone, and Sensabaugh is going to be gone. Freshman at Ohio State is going to be drafted. And Jet Howard is a first rounder from Michigan. I mean, this. The, every team is getting hit so hard, not only by the draft, but by other people tugging at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the transfer portal is is a thing, and it's it it's a it's a constant revolving door for players. It does hurt a little bit of uh, school loyalty, also. By the it's, way, I did see Edie got in one was listed on one of the mock drafts that I saw, but on a couple of them he wasn't even listed out of sixty players. Well, he's certainly going to end up in a in in a summer league or something. Mm-hmm. He's oh, going to yeah. end up with an opportunity oh, yeah. to try and prove himself. And by the way, Pickett's nowhere. I never saw his name. Yeah, and I'll be curious Mike's take on that when we talk with him. But uh, we were talking about it last night. Is it just because he's six two and a half? I don't know why that matters. I mean, yeah, I know. Six, four, At some point, you got to be four or six two and a half. What's the difference? You can't block his shot. 
He, he, he didn't get a single shot blocked last night, and he shot a bunch of them. Didn't he get one block that well, was actually a goaltend? <laughs> that was well, called that might, a goaltend? Well, that, right, that might be, yeah. That <laughs> might be. There were two goaltends in the game. You're right. Uh, and, the Illini uh, are going to be having uh, uh, nightmares repeating what, in their minds, what happened last night with Jalen Pickett. The, he was – and. And 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 look, we can talk to Mike about this too. I think you and I di- differ a little bit. You say Jalen Pickett was unstoppable. I that's say, what I say. I say he was a little stoppable. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's where we differ on this. <laughs> well, I that's right. It should have been a thirty. He should have had fifty shots, <laughs> and not a forty-point night for him. And we'll get Mike's take on that too. But uh, I mean, the guy was on one. He was just on one, and that was a. A team on a four-game losing streak, if they lose that game, there's probably very slim hope now for the NCAA tournament. You tell me, have you seen a better performance by one player in the last five years anywhere in college? A single performance like that? I, I, I can't think through the whole scope. You'd, of, probably, you'd probably remember it if, 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 if you saw it. I'm sure there's been a, a handful of those across five years. But yeah, in but, the Big Ten, I mean, that's – by a guard like that, it's up there. It's up there. So I don't know why scouts wouldn't say that's somebody that can play some basketball, but he's just a little bit smaller. He's thick, but he's a little bit smaller compared to your average NBA guard. Well, he's big enough. He's I mean, Otherwise, why would he be, what is he, a fifth-year player? Why wouldn't he be already? I don't know. I, I, don't, know why, I, I don't know why he isn't considered. It's just the way he plays – uh, you you can't back people down in the NBA, I suppose, like that. And and uh, maybe they hadn't seen him shoot from outside like that. But that that was a shooting. That wasn't just him. Everybody on Penn State was hot last night. Oh yeah. I never heard of Clary until a couple of weeks ago or a week ago. Well, maybe. That seems to be how yeah. those scripts go. When one guy or two guys get going, and then you have to start keying in on them, and then then yeah. it just opens up the floodgates, and they just. They were ready to go. Seven thousand in that arena. That's it. Yeah. Well, I yeah. If there the if there were that many, that's probably the the uh, actual count of tickets sold. Mm-hmm. Some other Illini news to mention: Terrence Jamison has been promoted to co-defensive coordinator and defensive line coach. Yep. Announced today by Brett Bielma. Of course, he's been here for the last two seasons, heading up the defensive line. Um, and they note the the accolades and the accomplishments, and of course Johnny Newton is and Keith Randolph are right there at the top of his resume and players that he's worked with and developed. So he's a co-defensive coordinator with Aaron Henry, and it says he'll work closely with him. I assume Henry will call the plays. Mm-hmm. I feel like Aaron Henry is the defensive coordinator. I don't know how mm-hmm. you how it works when you're co-defensive coordinators. Well, it works the same way if you hadn't got the title. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't change anything. Uh, just a title. Yeah, well, I mean, does his, I'm assuming he gets a little pay bump, I hope. Oh, they pay, yeah. yeah. That's why they give him the title, so they can pay him more. Okay. But, by the way, the buck is of, stopping with Aaron Henry when it comes to the defense? Does the well, he, somebody's got to make the calls. Yeah, and, that's and, what I'm saying. And he's going to make the calls, clearly. Yeah. But uh, by the way, did you see where Harry Heastan retired? For, I for did. Good? Harry was maybe the greatest defensive line coach Illinois Offensive? had, huh? 
defensive or offensive? Why am I thinking he's offensive? He's offense. You are right. He yeah. was offense. Why did I say defense? That was Denny well, Marson. Well, we were just talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, Denny Marson was a great defensive uh, coach, and, and Harry Heastan was an offensive coach in the line and one of the best. Yeah, and he's he, he finishing up at uh, Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. His daughter is uh, on the roster for Illinois soccer, oh. by the way. Okay. She, she's uh, out of South Bend. Mm-hmm. And this year was her sophomore year, so okay. Uh, I don't know if she played very much this year, but he did mention I saw that he wants to, uh, you know, see his his kids who are in co- who are college athletes play more. So that may mean he's here at Illinois a little bit to see yeah. his daughter. Well, we're good to see Harry. Uh, have we mentioned Neil Stoner? No, we have not. And he passed. I know you knew about this, but I didn't know if it if it's ready to be out there. Well, Neil Stoner, former Illini athletic director. Yes, he passed away in California, and uh, he was here from 1980. He was here when the 80s belonged to the Illini, from mm-hmm. and from about 82 to 88 or so, and and uh, I, I might have those years a little bit off. I thought I saw 80 to 88. Okay, was, 80. Was it was tenure. 1980 through 88, and then he went from here to be uh, to run the California Bowl in 1990. Uh, he ran that for several years. And um, he's he's a unique guy in this sense. I don't know. Of course, we know that Tony Hinkle coached everything back in the day. But but Stoner coached three sports, varsity sports at the college level. He coached basketball, which he played. He played uh, at Fullerton, and, and he uh, he averaged thirteen and a half points a game one year. He coached basketball, he coached golf, and he coached tennis. Incredible. Yeah, varsity on all three, and uh, of course he had Augie Garrido out there for baseball. And Augie came here. He brought Augie from Fullerton to Illinois, and we had some really good seasons under Augie. Yeah, just a couple, and then he went down to Texas, and he became the yeah one of the all-time greats. Yeah, that's right. In, in, in college baseball world. So, by the way, happy birthday to Itch Jones. Yeah. And Dan Hartlib. And he's going to be what uh, his eighth Hall of Fame. He's getting getting ready to get. Yeah, and receive St. Louis Hall of Fame, St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. <laughs> Got to make more room on the mantle. So happy birthday, Itch. One of the good guys in the world yeah, of baseball really good and sports. We'll come back and talk with Mike Latulip. Look back at last night's Illinois ball game. Get his thoughts on if Jalen Pickett could be stopped at all. Stay with us. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Illini family, this is Brett Bielema. You've got the home of Illinois football. News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. Nine to shoot. Here's a steal by Shannon. Stole it away from behind. Drives to the basket. Put it up and in. Count it. And a foul on Penn State. Boy, just took it away. One of the few bright spots last night as Illinois fell to the Penn State Nittany Lions on the road in men's hoops. The Illini lose the season series. Nittany Lions took it to him back in December and more than two months later did the same in Happy Valley. Mike LaTulip is our analyst of Illini basketball and more on our most nights, our pre- and post-game coverage, and as well occasionally here on Sports Talk, and he's good enough to join us right now. Um, Mike, Lauren and I were talking in the first segment. We disagree. Lauren thinks there's no way you could have stopped Jalen Pickett last night. I say you could have stopped him just a little bit. Well, you could have put two men on him well, I mean, yeah, yeah. if you want to do that. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Brad Underwood pointed to defense. defense, and, and, and was that a night, though, where it's just a dude having a thing and just what can you do? 
anytime you have a guy that makes 15 field goals and 13 of them are outside of the paint, that's that's a tip your cap kind of night. Now, you know, just like any other game, there were defensive breakdowns. There were some busted switches, which happened, you know, as they kind of went back to trying to switch to negate the potency of, of the three-point shooters that Penn State has. And look, that team is constructed in a way that is kind of unique. Um, I mean, they literally have five guys on the floor at times that are all 40 plus percent three-point shooters. And especially when you get them feeling good, uh, it just throws you out of whack. If you're not going to be disciplined, yeah, I mean, you got to think about it this way too. When they run in transition, you are so shooter conscious that you stay glued to your men on the outside instead of doing what you should do in transition defense, which is get to the really get to the paint first and then fan out and get matched up. Um, they they spread you out, so then those driving lanes become uh, even bigger. And I thought it was a mixture of all that. Uh, Illinois, I thought was solid offensively last night, which was a positive. But uh, clearly, you ran into a guy last night that had a lifetime career game. Why is Penn State six and nine? <laughs> I mean, I, I understand that Illinois was just out of sorts back in December, but last night, like you said, they were they were effective offensively. But why does Penn State? Is it just a matchup thing, or has Penn State played below themselves the last few games when they were in this losing streak? Yeah, maybe a little bit of both. It's certainly a matchup thing. I think if you were an Illini fan and the only two games you watched this year were the Penn State game you you'd wonder how far ahead they are in the big 10 race in first um but you know the the difference to me at least is part of the reason why it is such a tough matchup is because i mean i think about the two teams that they've smoked at home as well they beat michigan handedly they beat indiana handedly and those those two teams have bigs that you feel kind of forced to play and that hurts you defensively because of their because they'll play five perimeter guys at times. But my, the biggest thing is, you know, and I, and I mentioned it I think earlier today, but the downside to having all this size and length that Illinois has is you become incredibly screenable. Um, and so when you have a team that runs those actions and a lot of misdirection, pin downs, floppy action on the baseline, high ball screens. Um, these, these are bigger guys, Matthew Meyer, Coleman Hawkins, Dane Danger, um, and they're bigger, they're easier targets to screen. So um, when you have three or four guards that are out there at a time, playing against a team like Penn State can actually be a little bit easier because you can rely on ball pressure and getting through screens. And, um, you know, Illinois is not going to run into many teams like a Penn State, but that particular matchup is just, it's not a good one for them. Well, Mike, uh, before they had Danger in the starting lineup, I think that's why. I think that's why Underwood thought that he could probably play that five-man switch defense and make it work. And theoretically, it ought to work, but in practice, it didn't because I think, and mainly it didn't because the players had never done it before. It was it was it was a a new system for them, and and they didn't catch on real quick. Yeah, and I think a lot of times throughout the season, coaches opt for switching one through five and it is something that you rep but the emergence of Dane has kind of thrown a wrench into that because there were times last night where he got switched on and and really Pickett didn't go at him in terms of getting downhill getting to the basket he had some tough shots over Dane but 
finding ways to get yourself out of that. And if you're the other guys on the floor, point and talk and making sure that you have the correct matchups. And that starts in transition. That starts with your shot selection on the other end to be able to set your defense. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think this was more of just a, the matchup where they felt comfortable going back to the switching. And honestly, I agreed with it. Um, that wasn't a situation where you could uh, trap uh, or, or give him a steady diet because they have, they have two good of shooters around that arc. And, um, and look, there's a lot of teams this year that have tried different things on Penn state. Uh, but you try to, you try to go with what works for your personnel. I think switching works and just, they, they busted a few of them. And those were miscommunications and guys falling asleep in certain times. And those are the mistakes that you can't have against a team like that. Well, when that score was 71 to 57 midway in the second half, they were shooting almost 64%, 63.6, 28 out of 44. Now look, it doesn't, Illinois is playing pretty good offenses. You can't keep up with that. Yeah, no, you can't. And what makes Penn state so good is because they are such shooting threats, you typically overcommit on closeouts. Um, you have to be so diligent on getting through screens. And when you get hit on screens and when you over pursue on closeouts, uh, now they're driving straight line drives. And now you're relying on your help in the gap. And if your help in the gap's not there, you're going to have what you had last night, which was pull up jumpers and shots at the rim. And it's a big reason why I think they were 21 for 28 from two. And this is an Illinois defense that top 10 in the country in two-point percentage uh, defensively. And that obviously took a hit. It brought them down to 10th, uh, 6th to 10th, I think is what it <laughs> dropped from last night. But um, to me, more of an aberration, just a, a bad matchup. But I, I was curious seeing how they handled this game and now going into Indiana um, you know how they guard a guy like Trace Jackson Davis. Presents a, a different type of matchup than Pickett, but similar in the sense where he's gonna they're gonna throw it into him at 16, 17 feet and he'll face up and try to back you down. And um I'd imagine they aren't just gonna put Dane on an island this time. Well we just saw Northwestern play Edie and and double team him and it worked. So I, I would imagine yeah. we'll surely see some we didn't see any double teaming back here in Champaign, did we? Against uh, Jackson Davis? No. No you didn't and I think you know, I think initially they they maybe thought that Edie was the one guy that they needed to trap, um, and that everyone else they'd be they'd be fine with. But the emergence of Trace Jackson Davis's passing ability is is kind of what has made you second guess that. Now they're for sure going to do it in some capacity. Um, it's just you know Northwestern, they, you know, I, I think I have a, a a ton of respect for what they do, and part of it is they've had that group together for so long that when they do trap, they're so good at rotating out of it. I mean, they know exactly where to go, when to be there, anticipating it. And that's what I think this Illinois team struggles with. Now, there were some clips last night that looked good, guys anticipating, and that's what makes me hopeful where if they trap a Trace Jackson Davis, um, it's it's much less about, hey, let's trap it and get it out of his hands, and it's more about can we get him to start retreating and if we can get him to start retreating, now that gives us time to get back to our matchups. And uh, when I say that, I mean enter it at 15 feet. He squares you up, and as he starts to back down, you send a guy over, and he has to retreat dribble, you know, one or two dribbles back to go make a pass. That's that's where I think if you can do that, and if you can make him do that a couple times, 
throughout the game, I think you put yourself in a really good position. Because it buys you just enough time to seal off everything else. Exactly. And and really, when you're trapping there, there's you know the three other guys on the floor. There's the guy that has to shut off the outlet pass out back to the wing on the ball side. And then the other two guys are the ones that have to zone up on the midline to make sure that no one cuts to the basket. A Jordan Geronimo, right? A Trey Galloway, Miller Cop, Race Thompson. You can't have those guys 45 cutting to the basket from the wing, the opposite wing. Uh, and then you got to make sure no one comes from the other baseline. So if you can keep your house in order there and not get so spread out, um, I think you, you give yourself a really good chance to go in and get a quality win. We're talking with Mike Latulip here on Sports Talk. Last night after the game, Ty Rogers had a great game. Uh, offensively, for sure, his his best performance. And Brad Underwood said, I need to get him more minutes. I need to get yeah. him more minutes. Now, first of all, is that at all a veiled comment about needing to start him? Or is it just more that his role needs to keep being consistently, you know, 20 minutes plus uh, coming off the bench? I tried to think, you know, how would that work if he's – going to be a starter and I, I'm not sure I'm not really sure and I don't want to overread into into a comment yeah and look he he's going to play more minutes he's earned that and that doesn't always necessarily mean that you work your way into the starting lineup because right now I don't, I don't really know what that option would who do you take out of it um and and you know th- these guys are clicking so much offensively I mean I think Meyer's been solid the last two months Terrence has gotten out of his rut that he had in early January. Um, you know, Coleman's emerged a little bit the past couple games and looks solid. Dane will always be solid down in that block. And, and Jaden, although shooting troubles, he's been great around the basket. So what you don't want is to pull a guy out and have him feel like he's out of a rhythm. Ty Rogers doesn't need rhythm. Like, he can just go. And I think that's why you can implement him, bring him in off the bench. To me, there's really no difference if you – uh, you know, if you start the game or if you come in at 1638, like he's doing, uh, it gives yeah. a good little change up energy, insert him, uh, what he gives you on the glass, what he gives you defensively. And also you got to think too, you know, maybe that's a spot where if, if you take Matthew Meyer out at the 1630 mark, bring Ty Rogers in, if Terrence Shannon's drawing, you know, the, the top assignment, you can put Terrence Shannon on Matthew Meyer's guy and Ty Rogers can be the guy that can give Terrence Shannon a blow while also having Terrence on the floor. I think that's extremely important. Um, Makes and that's, a lot and, of sense. And Ty doing that is, you know, that 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 just stretches his value, and it's why you need to have him out there. Mike, what were your comments on Epps and his three-point shooting? Uh, one for 20, I think. Uh, one for his last 20 and six for his last 37. It's that has kind of snuck up on us, I think. Um, Melendez, I think you could really see it in real time because he's he just that's really what he is is a catch and shoot guy. And when when the catch and shoot guy isn't making shots, it's like, all right, this something's not right. But Epps, I'm not overly concerned. I think he is a guy that has proven that he can make shots, especially earlier in the season. The one thing I always worry about is these these low trajectory shooters. Yeah, um, that's a, what I wondered. A, Does he yeah, change his a, shot when there's a guy on him? Yeah, I mean, I think he rushes a little bit because he he has a little bit of that hitch, so he feels like he's got to get rid of it. Um, and I think that messes up timing a little bit. But also, you know, these these guys when you get later in the season, uh, this is why sleep's important and getting with Fletch and making sure that you are 
in tip top shape because you're you're naturally going to wear down your legs are going to wear down as you approach especially as a freshman where you start hitting the point of hey i'm passing the threshold of high school games i played right these are these more and more games so these these shooters that have a low trajectory on their jump shot and ha- and i have flat shooters and that's coleman at times that's Jaden at times melendez has a little bit of that uh, those are the guys that have a smaller margin for error when they get tired so those are the guys that have to be shot ready more. And, you know, with Epps, some of it, when you're a point guard, you'll have the ball late clock. you got to fire some up. But for the most part, I thought he's had some some decent – when he has decent catch-and-shoot looks, they're good. Like inside out, they threw it to Coleman at Iowa. He popped it right back out to Epps. Epps steps into it, catch-and-shoot, good. But some of his – to me, I mean, six of his last 37 – I would say out of those 21 or 31 misses that he has, like 16 of them have just been like step backs off the dribble. And, and those aren't high percentage shots. So it's, it's hard to, to get those to fall on a consistent basis. So, um, but if he does hit his stride here, he's already doing so much other stuff. Um, he's great defensively. He's been solid defensively. He's great attacking off the dribble. I think, I think he's gotten guys more involved like a true point guard does. So, um, that's the reason why I think the shooting slump has been a little less noticeable. Since they're on the schedule coming up for Illinois, Northwestern, I think yep. you had expressed some skepticism a little while ago. Yep. Where's your needle with them now? As they, as If it ended today, they'd be in the double bye. Yeah, I mean, look, I think Chris Collins deserves a lot of credit because the more you look at this team, and now I think the more the portal becomes – uh, you know, more and more prevalent every year. If you can retain your guards, you can retain good guards. You'll give yourself a shot, man. Pete Nance leaves, Ryan Young leaves, and Bigs. You can replace them um, in certain ways, and and you can have guys that do different things. But Chase Audige and Boo Booey, two guys that absolutely would have drawn a ton of attention if they if they went into the portal, and would be at some really good schools probably. They stuck it out. I think Collins deserves credit for that. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, when you when you keep that core intact, when I talk about that backcourt, uh, you know, Nicholson's uh, a, a really solid big with their hard hedges, Ty Berry and Robbie Barron, all these guys have been there. So your defensive makeup is so meshed. And that's where they're winning. It When you look at their offensive efficiency numbers, it makes zero sense why they're at the top of this league. Zero. I mean, they are like 300 plus in the country in effective field goal percentage, in three point percentage, all of that. Like they, they in two point percentage. They don't. It's 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 mind boggling that they're up there, but they're guarding at such a high level. And you know, you don't really tr- traditionally think of Northwestern as a, as a team that's going to like take your ball and get India. Um, but that's what they're doing. And they 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 made Zach Eady look like he's never seen a trap in his life. So. I'm excited to see what they what happens tonight because I want to see how they guard Trace Jackson Davis because they are I, I believe they already went in and um, got a win in Bloomington this year. So if they can sweep Indiana, I mean that's you start to distance yourself a little bit and solidify that resume. Yep. All right, Mike. Well, it'll be a big one for well. It turns out it's a big one tonight for Indiana, but of course Illinois and Indiana on Saturday. So we'll hear you then as well and. Uh, we missed you last night, but glad we get to still have our dose of Mike LaTulip here today. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks, my friend. That's Mike LaTulip. 
and he joins us uh, periodically here on Sports Talk, and he also is a regular contributor on pre- and post-game coverage. Indiana and Northwestern tonight should be a good one. Lauren, will you be tuning in? Well, I'm, I'm trapped. This is uh, <laughs> Valentine's Day, <laughs> one day late. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think Mike was I don't trapped like, last night. <laughs> I don't like it when you ask questions that you know the answers to. <laughs> well, I don't know if you're going to tape the game or something. Well, you know? I, I, I don't have it taped, no. But uh, I'll, 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 I'll follow it in some fashion. <laughs> we'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. This is Brian Barnhart. Join me on Thursday on A Penny for Your Thoughts. A lot of open line time between 9 and 10.30. And then at 10.30, UC Money Talk tomorrow. As we continue here on Sports Talk, I want to highlight a little bit with men's tennis. Brad Dancer was on Monday night in the Esquire, but also caught up with him as they get ready tonight in the National Indoor Tourney up in Chicago. It's the ITA National Indoor Tourney. Now, this is 16 teams, and Illinois qualified because they're hosting it. The other 15 are seated ahead of them by actually um, playing their way into this midseason event, and they'll start off with, Georgia. So here's Brad Dancer's thoughts on a pretty big event that starts tonight for Illinois men's tennis in Chicago. I think this is our first year we've gone in as a 16th seed. I think every other year we've gone in, you know, somewhere top 10, 11, you know, something like that. And so this is probably the one year that, that maybe, yeah, we've got something to prove. And, and we've said that this team all along is like, Nobody's talking about them. You know, nobody's saying, oh, watch out for Illinois, and it's, it's going to be another great Illinois team. And so it's up to these guys to be like, yes, it, it is going to be a, a magical year for us, and we're not going to wait till next year or whatever else. This, this is going to be the year. And so that's a big challenge for these guys. What does this event do for the rest of the season? What are the stakes? Yeah, the stakes are everything. So in addition to the tournament, we're playing Georgia up there tomorrow night, and Georgia's a perennial, perennial top 10 team. So we're going to play four matches, guaranteed, potentially five if we reach the championship, against top 15 teams. And so you know that going in. And for us to do it in front of our fans in Chicago, to have that support, all of our alumni coming out, uh, there's no shying away from it. This is the opportunity. you know, And that's why we host this event. And, and you know, it takes a tremendous amount of resources and support to host this event the schools behind it, our teams behind it our boosters are behind it and so we do that for this time and so we've, we've been again not shy telling the guys this this is your time to shine hunter heck you mentioned him after after the weekend sweep how well he's playing is he a number three at most places uh hunter ironically somebody was tweeting out i saw this a week or two ago that there's a bunch of number threes in the country right now that are all ranked top 15 in the nation uh so i think the three position is stacked at the moment uh across the board right now and that's people just trying to configure their lineup so i i tell hunter this all the time um he needs to start believing it i don't i think he can play and beat anybody in the country and so when he has that mentality that he's going to be tough as nails and he's going to be that boa constrictor then i think it's lights out for everybody who plays men's tennis in a little bit of a place they're not usually not ranked right now um but yet they feel like they have a, a glut of talent and it's a rebuild season yeah and and they're getting i think they are getting better mm-hmm. but they're playing some awfully good teams yeah they looked nice over the weekend against central florida and i saw them play against notre dame and uh, they, they really took it to a notre dame team that swept them last year and they swept uh, notre dame didn't yeah. they 
And Petrov is playing in the number one singles, and uh, Ozilins might be their best player, and he's playing at number two. Um, and 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 Meister came along and clinched the whole thing on the number six court. So he has those pieces. They're just kind of figuring it out still. And they may this might be a case where they get better and better through the year, and and then are really competing well by the end of it. This this is a big weekend though. And it'll him. be different when they go outdoors. It's always different. Oh yeah. And he talked about it. I mean, and every it is unique to every player. That's the difference in tennis versus, you know, we were just talking about an Illini men's team that gets a bad matchup with Penn State. Well, each player gets bad and good matchups depending on the court and the weather conditions and the player they're facing. And and so you can't tailor approaches to any one to, for one style of play because everybody's a little bit different. Anyway, good luck to the uh, the men's tennis team tonight in uh, Chicago as they kick off that national indoor event. All right, we'll come back with more on this first hour of Sports Talk. Scott and Lauren, next hour, Evan Kahn in, and we'll visit with Mike DeCourcy. Hey, sun's out. Not a bad day. It's going to be even nicer weather as we progress. Eventually, we get to spring and then the summer. Do you want to be enjoying outside? You want to be able to say, this space relaxes me and it's a space I want to hang out in. Let's see you under construction create that space for you or help you create it. Maybe you have an idea and they can help you execute it. Maybe you just need some ideas that they can help execute as well. See you under construction. Right now is the time to just have the conversation. Just give them a call. They have a professional staff. They will communicate with you. They will let you know what the process might be like. And they're just nice folks as well as being really good at what they do. See you under construction can help the outside of your home be a place you want to be like a little mini vacation spot right in your yard. Or if there's something indoors that needs to get going, something like new flooring or a renovated bathroom or a renovated laundry room like they did for us, that's something they can handle. Give them a call. See you under construction. Find them online. See you under construction.com. All right, that'll do it for the first hour of Sports Talk. Next hour, Evan Kahn and I chatted up. Mike DeCourcy will be our guest. We'll talk some more college hoops with him. Uh, Tomorrow, I'm in travel mode, Lauren, but you will be on with Evan and Travis Tate. There was... The whole NBA world was turned upside down last week. We hardly got to talk about it. So no, I, I don't know how you ever make sense of it. <laughs> it, 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 it. You know, raise your hand if you weren't traded. It's kind of yeah, the thing. I, I had a I, I I don't know what the number is now, but I counted sixty eight the day of the that it was supposed to be over. But there were still things going on. Crazy. We'll break it down tomorrow. Hey everyone, have a great one. We'll be back after the news.